the latest episode of the Vegan Pod, where this month we're discussing the importance of offering nutritious vegan food in public services, such as schools and care homes. Despite the UK's established and growing vegan community, we continue to face challenges in accessing healthy and nutritious food, with some public sector menus failing to consistently include a single vegan option. The Vegan Society recent Catering for Everyone report revealed that a quarter of UK councils fail to recognise their responsibility to cater to vegans, a stark statistic, especially when we consider that many councils are responsible for catering in schools, hospitals and other public sector institutions. In the UK, veganism is recognised as a protected belief and should be respected at each stage of someone's life, be that younger or older vegans. But providing plant-based options is not only important on an individual level, but also to society as a whole. The National Food Strategy has recommended that the local authorities act to promote sustainable diets in order to reduce emissions in response to the climate crisis. Moving away from animal products is an essential step in achieving this, with plant-based diets producing just 25% of the emissions compared to one that includes meat. We're joined by two guests to help us discuss this issue, both of whom are doing fantastic work in this area to support vegans and increase plant-based options within public services. Colette Fox joins us from ProVeg UK, where she leads its flagship programme, School Plates, working directly with schools and local authorities across the UK to support their meat reduction efforts. And Amanda Woodvine joins us from V for Life, a charity which aims to support, protect and uphold the rights of older vegans and vegetarians and works with some of the UK's biggest care chains and food suppliers to increase the availability of vegan options in care homes. Welcome to you both and thanks for joining us. Pleasure. For having us. I'm really looking forward to the importance of providing vegan options in public services and highlighting the unique challenges when it comes to being uh, to catering for vegan um, plant-based diets in schools and care homes. Um, I have a mother in a care home who isn't vegan and not really in a position to advocate very much when it comes to food at the moment anyway, but she, I still wanted to have a healthy diet. And I have um, grandchildren. I have a, a granddaughter who is vegan, who's just started nursery. So this is really close to my heart, you know, from both both ends of the spectrum. So, yeah, really, really very important discussion we're having today. Now, first of all, I usually get started by asking our guests about their personal journey with veganism. Um, Amanda, could you share first your experience of, of veganism? Yeah, happy to. So I've actually been vegan for 20 years this year, this January. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's a story I keep telling. Whenever there's a chance that I can tell it, I tell it. Uh, and veg vegetarian for seven years before that. And for me, it all started watching a Channel 4 documentary. So it was a behind the scenes in an abattoir documentary. And it was enough for me to go uh, vegetarian first overnight. And it was actually, it took a while for me to meet any real life vegans. Uh, I'd actually, <laughs> when I was a veggie, I was motivated enough to uh, set up a local and veggie, veggie and vegan. Uh, group back in my hometown but before I 
the gap before I actually met a, met a real life vegan and then started to get some vegan messaging. It did take a little bit of a while, but seven years after that, it was enough for me to, to go vegan. And the rest, as they say, is history. It's interesting because 20 years sounds like a long time. Um, but as you get older and you look back and you go, oh, wow, that was only 2003. That, that feels like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but, so it, it is kind of amazing to think that in 2003, in, you know, in the 21st century, that you struggled to meet any vegans, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And I vividly remember the vegan options back then as well. And you might say that you also experience this when you're traveling, but it's very much oh, chips and salad and sort of eating yeah. out with friends or family. They just thought, that's just what she eats. She eats, that's I'm sure what she eats at home. But no, yeah, that was her favorite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I've been vegetarian since I was a teenager, um, which is like, you know, 40 years ago. Um, uh, but I only became vegan seven years ago. So I, you know, 40 years ago is hard enough to be a vegetarian. You know, the choices were limited. I can't imagine being a vegan 20 years ago. I mean, we're, we're very lucky. We're blessed in comparison. Uh, Colette, what about you? Um, so I'm, I'm a bit late to the party, I'm going to confess. Um, I was veggie all through my teens. And I get, you know, for not wanting to harm animals, obviously, that was the the reason I kind of succumbed to peer pressure and went back to eating meat um, as an adult. And I went vegan. I was one of the overnight vegans um, five years ago after one of my dogs got sick, actually. And the vet um, mm. suggested to think about what we were feeding the dog. Um, and I then started to get really into nutrition and watch lots of documentaries. What the health was probably the one that swayed it for me um yeah and that and that was it and that there's no going back now so it's it's kind of Better late become, than never. It's obviously about everything you know it's it's yeah. the planet it's the animals it's um it's health it's all of them yeah. it's you're absolutely right and and you know i feel that when you become vegan there's so much stuff you can't unsee or unknow and it's not just about the animals you know even if that's what takes you there once you start to think of it you know i'm constantly like i can't believe people still eat meat like for so many reasons i can't believe it's happening it's interesting you say it was your dog that, that your dog my dog turned me vegan there's like a you know if they still had news of the world there'd be a great headline um but you know we did a really interesting episode about um about you know companion animals and vegan diet and i didn't realize until we did that i was just thinking well yes you know you could put your pet on a vegan diet and it would be okay but i didn't realize how how ill they could get with some of the normal you know some of the allergies they have like allergies to beef and stuff that's you know in pet food especially dogs and how much healthier yeah. they could be it was like a real eye-opener so um so yeah it's a it's a a, a serious issue so I'm, I'm glad you came there via your dog it's, it's like yeah. the best animal loving story ever yeah. um <laughs> so amanda um let's talk about um v for life what resources or support does v for life provide to help both older individuals and care homes when it comes to veganism so it's quite varied uh in short so with the uk care charity that specifically supports older vegans and vegetarians um I think it, it's useful just to start out with a little bit of a story because we this does also relate to the vegan society uh, and in part the reason why I got involved with this charity in the first place. And hopefully many of your listeners have heard of the wonderful Serena Coles, who was an early vice president of the vegan society. 
Uh, we found footage of her speaking in the 1970s on BBC Two. You can only imagine the viewing figures when there weren't many channels at all in the 1970s. <laughs> and she's just speaking so articulately and passionately about having brought a, a son as a vegan during the war. And that we didn't have many of the modern things that we have, like B12. And you're thinking, this is yeah. talking in the 1970s and it still feels fresh. But people lost contact with Serena and just wondered, you know, is she still with us? What, what happened to Serena? And in the 1990s, Serena was traced to living in a care home. So she very, very sadly had developed dementia and was now eating meat and dairy, which is just so heartbreaking mm. when you could see how articulately, you know, someone like her, who was so able to express, and I'm BBC too, the large 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 audience how passionate she was about her beliefs but that it could even happen to her now one of her first visitors was, was wearing a vegan society lapel badge and serena pointed at the badge and said vegan i'm a vegan and that's new mm. but there's something very much about her diet still not being understood and respected in that care setting so this is where again be for life's work steps in uh, so the work that we do is quite varied because we support both individual vegans and vegetarians and those who cater for them as well. So for individuals, we can help with connections. So we run a vegan and vegetarian pen and phone pal scheme. So very much being able to connect people that perhaps don't know any other vegans or vegetarians. We offer grants to help people with independent living. And it's been interesting during the pandemic how much of a lifeline even something like a laptop could be because if you think you know if you don't even know how to do your shopping online mm -hmm. there's that aspect but also of course keeping in contact with your friends and family so we offer that sort of a service we offer support for individuals and a helpline so if there are any specific concerns that older vegans or vegetarians have we can help with that and again, for individuals, we have a whole range of publications, which most of them are online, completely free of charge. So we do a self-advocacy pack so that you know more about your rights, guides such as cooking for one or cooking on a budget. So again, maybe your financial or living situation has changed the older that you get uh, and guides such as nutrition. And then in a nutshell about our work with the care sector, so we have our own cookery school and we have chefs in Glasgow, Manchester, Birmingham and London. So through that, we're able to train staff working in the likes of lunch clubs, community centres, dementia carers uh, and of course the care homes themselves so that we can train people how to cater well and ethically for older vegans and vegetarians in their care. Already we work with one in six of the UK's care homes uh, and we work with four of the so-called big five. So we're very, very pleased about the growing number uh, of care establishments that have pledged to cater well and ethically for older vegetarians and vegans. And last but not least, a few years ago now, we launched something called a memory care pledge. So that is so that we can be sure care homes understand the bottom line that if accidentally I forget that I'm a vegan, the care oh. home has made a memory care pledge will provide me with something that perhaps looks similar to what everybody around me is eating or what I seem to be asking for, but it honours my beliefs. So it's perhaps used meat alternatives, dairy alternatives, and it looks similar in appearance to what everyone around me is eating. 
Wow, I mean, it's very comprehensive what you're doing. It's fantastic to hear. It's, it's great. And it's great to hear that you are, uh, I was going to say infiltrating. That's probably not the right word. That sounds a bit sort of subversive, doesn't it? Infiltrating the care yeah. system. But no, it's great to hear that you've got your, uh, your tendrils out there and, and, you know, working with so many of the big players. Um, and you're right, you know, you get dementia. And I mean, I think of it myself. I mean, my mum, my mum's got dementia. My aunt had dementia. I mean, luckily for me, you know, my daughter's also vegan and um, very strong belief. But, you know, we sort of joke about it. I'm like, don't let me be in a care home. It, you know, you, you, it's your responsibility to make sure. But hopefully by the time I might be in that situation, if I, if I am in that situation, it sounds like with the kind of work you're doing, it would be much easier, much more likely that I'd, I'd get the diet I need. Um, so Colette, uh, let's talk about schools. So can you tell us what ProVeg UK school plates programme is and the impact that that is having on schools? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just a little bit of background. ProVeg UK is, uh, we're a don donor funded organisation, not for profit, but we're part of ProVeg International. So our kind of global mission is replacing 50% of animal products globally by 2040 with with plant-based um so we're not we're not necessarily for the vegan community we're about trying to change the food system and get more people make it normal to eat plant-based food so it's a little bit different but we, it obviously benefits vegan children enormously mm. and we and we get lots of um lots of requests from vegan parents um so school plates is our kind of sole program in the uk um, and it's, as, I, as I've said, kind of linking into our global mission, it's about meat reduction and it's about increasing, you know, really tasty plant based dishes on the school menus and getting kids to eat them, not just having them there and the menu looking lovely, but they actually mm. pick them and enjoy them and don't throw them in the bin. Um, so, yeah, really about normalizing, I think. Um, and also that you don't have to be vegan to enjoy plant-based food. I think that's the kind of really important message. It's delicious food for everyone. Some of what we see on menus isn't delicious food for everyone, but that is our role is to kind of make it really great, provide recipes, create those recipes. Um, we train the caterers. They're our kind of focus in this um, space. If we can get them on board and get them to understand why it's so important for children's health, for the planet, um, you know, and, and also that it will most likely save them money, which is a lot of the feedback we get. Um, That's interesting because be our... a lot of yeah. the excuses or reasons, uh -huh. you know, um, the, the, the providers that the school meals give for the mm. kind of meals they offer providers that they're cheap, you know, that we, we, do, we do our best, but we've got a limited budget. And you're saying that this could save schools money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it obviously depends which ingredients you're cooking mm. with. If you're cooking from scratch and you're using, you know, whole food, plant based ingredients, um, it will be cheaper. Um, lentils are cheaper. Chickpeas are cheaper than buying meat. Um, if you're buying plant based meat alternatives, you know, those kind of bit more processed things, which I don't have an issue with at all. They're great and kids love them and it, it prevents them from eating the carcinogenic version. Um, in a meat sausage or mince or whatever I'd much rather they ate those um, but but yeah I mean some of our partners have saved as much as 20% on their procurement costs by you know not and that's not by going fully plant-based obviously that's just by increasing the number of dishes so we're definitely mm. seeing a trend there but yeah of course it depends what you're choosing and um, we just make sure that all of the dishes we create 
are very cost effective. I think our average kind of main course dish is about 54 pence for primary schools, which is which is pretty good. Right. Um, yeah. So um, lots um, of training, online training. We go out, we, we run workshops with councils and we get them, you know, really get the caterers stuck in and then get them actually eating the food at the end of the session. So if they were a little bit sceptical at the start, which sometimes they can be, by the end of it, they're kind of looking to fill little takeaway containers to take it home, which is great. And then <laughs> I feel we've done our job. <laughs> and then I guess you you do you give them that training and then it's kind of up to them what they what they take from it and what they take back into the schools. Is that right? Or, you know, how does that how does I it guess, work on a practical yeah, level? Yeah, I mean, um, we're obviously, you know, with the training, we try and measure where they are at the start of the session and where they are at the end and what the what the action is going to be as a result um but we've got our part of the program is our school plates awards so it's essentially putting all of the kind of evidence-based actions that make up the program into a checklist so that one of those um, actions is to complete our training which is what you have to do to get your silver award so they have a whole list of things they can go away and do so lots of things they'll learn in the session with us some of it's happening behind the scenes like reviewing their menus making little nudges on there putting dishes at the you know the plant base at the top of the menu where it gets picked more making some of the language more descriptive again so that children want to choose it it's not just a um you know a vegetarian bolognese it's mm. the homemade italian style you know classic bolognese whatever you want to call it um and well, also it sounds delicious like, i want to go to school <laughs> oh yeah they're really good i mean these are things we we all eat at home as well because they're they are cheap and nutritious and easy um yeah so so it's really simple they've just got a simple checklist and they can work through those actions and we kind of support them all the way so we've got some partners we work with um you know we've been working with them since the program began and we we've basically say we're here as long as you need our support and we're just trying to nudge them through to take the next step all the time whatever that is but just doing it slowly sounds fantastic um amanda um we talked obviously a little bit about some of the challenges faced by vegans in care homes and obviously one being you know that if the vegan in question has dementia and that they forget that they're a vegan but you know we all know that they would not want to be uh, given meat. That's obviously one challenge. What about the staff and the attitude towards veganism generally? Is that is that a sort of stumbling block when it comes to you know being in a care home? It can be. I think it really depends on uh, both both the stuff that you've got, but also training as well. The number of vegans so far in care is still relatively small, but rising. So our most recent care home survey suggests that around one in four care homes at the present time has either a vegetarian or a vegan. So, you know, that, that does suggest that in the majority of care homes, there's not yet a vegetarian or a vegan. So that's an interesting concept as well. You know, I feel mm. like because there is quite active campaigning in the outside world through campaigns such as Veganuary, where uh, a lot of restaurants, if not most restaurants now, have a separate, separate vegan menu. And you can clearly see through looking in a restaurant window what the vegan options are. It's not quite that set at the care homes. Uh, so there are some... 
misconceptions i would say at the moment so when for instance you're talking with a group of care caterers it wouldn't necessarily be uncommon if a care home's not experienced a, a vegan resident before they might say oh what's, what's the difference do you think between a vegan and a vegetarian they might say i think the difference is a vegetarian eats fish and a vegan doesn't <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes the people might say, is it that they don't eat bread? No. <laughs> Although, yeah, I've experienced that. That's so often, is it the old gluten-free, you know, no, different thing. Yeah. 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 So um, there is still a way to go, but as I say, there are some really, really uh, A-game care homes that we've worked with. Uh, Even last week, we were actually in Parliament to run our eighth ever Awards for Excellence in Vegetarian and Vegan Care Catering. So we're seeing noticeably for me a rise in the number of things like meat-free mondays that are going on as standard it's quite heartening to hear that a care home runs a monthly veggie and vegan lunch club where the residents um, come along try different meals and the best ones will make it onto the menu for the next month going forward so there's a lot of really good practice out there well that's a really nice idea as well because that's resident-led isn't it you know that is that's everyone getting a bit of a say, even if they're not vegan. It's then, you know, which is, you know, as I know from my my experience of my mum and my aunt, any kind of agency um, you can have around anything when you get to that point in your life when you're in a care home is is a really positive, really good thing. So that's that's a really nice aspect. Let's just talk about nutrition. Obviously, us three know that a vegan diet is very healthy and nutritious and doesn't have to be deficient in anything are there any specific um sort of obstacles when it comes to you know either you know speaking to care homes or speaking to schools or whatever you know do you have to are you having to prove yourselves in any way more than than you might have to if it wasn't um vegan let's start with you colette what what do you have to do you have to jump through any nutritional hoops <laughs> um i kind of to be honest not really um, you get the odd person, uh, not saying that people are odd, but you get the odd one <laughs> who will say, oh, but what about the calcium or, you know, some, you know, it's like anything. You There's always just. What about the protein? People. Yeah, protein doesn't come up, I have to say. That's um, interesting. Maybe, maybe because we make such a point of addressing it at the outset to say all of our recipes are, you know, equivalent protein levels. We They're all kind of very carefully. Um, analyze to make sure they meet all the requirements that children need for their micronutrients and the macronutrients um you know we give them like a comparison example here's a spaghetti bolognese here's a plant-based one this is the difference like it's got loads more fiber loads less saturated fat you've got the same pretty much identical protein level so that kind of allays those fears i guess um but yeah yeah if you kind of hit it all up front and say it's a no-brainer really isn't it yeah, exactly. So I think protein is the big one, but again, it, it doesn't really come up. Maybe a couple of the, some of the micronutrients, but um, yeah, we just we make sure that everything is super well balanced, so that you know we've kind of done that work, so that a caterer can just pick up our recipe book and where they go, and they know it's they don't have to think about it. Uh, interestingly, um, is there any system for, or just anecdotally, is that information kind of trickling down to parents in any way, do you know? Because, um, you know, that would be fascinating and interesting to try and get that kind of nutritional in information that the caterer is getting down to the parents. Because, you know, when you say it's like comparisons, it's a, 
it's not um it's always very difficult isn't it because i find as a vegan very difficult to say to people oh but if you ate this instead of that it would be so much better for you and i you know i think oh i don't want to you know obviously i'm pro vegan and pro the vegan cause but you don't want to tell people what to eat but that sounds like really fascinating information that you could kind of give to parents do you do that at all we don't specifically um kind of communicate to parents we do sometimes through schools councils whoever we're working with if they have uh, you know, if they're concerned that it might be an issue, if they're introducing a new menu and they think, oh, you know, maybe we need a bit of explanation to go along with why we're doing this. Again, we'll kind of write something that they can send right. out in a newsletter or if they're having an, an event, you know, like an open evening or something. Um, no. And then and then very rarely you get kickback from, you know, a parent on Facebook or something like this. And again, we would kind of step in and say mm. we're happy to talk to them we're happy to explain it all to them you know there's nothing to be it's not a it's not a conspiracy to save money or deprive their child of food like we're trying to make them healthier and and actually when you explain the reasons behind it it generally you know it, it's it's perfectly accepted but um mm. it's definitely a, a group that we would like to work with we you know we've kind of focused on the caterers but definitely children teachers parents are other yeah yeah stakeholders that are really important so we at some point need to get to all of them but ne next what the next um piece of the puzzle will be children and kind of education of kids for us but Good. yeah we'll get to parents at some point <laughs> and um and how does that all fit nutritionally um in care homes amanda you know um Oh, I like to say my mum's in a care home. She's been in two care homes. My aunt was in a care home. Um, and it's a very interesting thing around food when you're when you spend a lot of time in care homes. And when you, you know, I do a lot of feeding of my mum. I try and specifically be there at mealtimes because it's the time she's often more engaged. Um, and she can't feed herself anymore. Um, and I always I always would say to people, they've done a really good job with the food, but I know that if my mum wasn't in this situation, she wouldn't be choosing half of it and, you know, she wouldn't like the way it's cooked and stuff. So I'm curious to know when it comes to nutrition, whether they, it seems to be calories seem to be a big thing. In my experience of care homes, they want, you know, a lot of the older people are losing weight. My mum's definitely one of those people. Um, where, where is that, um, you know, the nutrition factor, would you say, Amanda, when it, when it comes to care homes and older people? Certainly thinking of vegan nutrition, I don't think there are any preconceptions as such that I've encountered. So I don't hear arguments about protein, et cetera, et cetera. But what you said about fortification, uh, I think there is some education that's needed there. So the blanket uh, thing that care homes would tend to do, in my experience, is adding something like whey to meals that need fortification. Uh, but when you actually have those conversations with care caterers in terms of, do you know what you're using for uh, fortification to add protein and calories is actually therefore rendering it unsuitable if you ever get any people with a dairy allergy or vegans in the future. So have you actually thought that through? Because you're making it suddenly a lot more difficult to get vegan choices. Uh, so we would educate people in how to fortify with even something like gram flour, chickpea flour, which is surprisingly cheap. Mm. Uh, and a pretty good source of protein. But of course, there's plenty of other uh, 
things that you can add, so nut butters, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we actually produced our own guide uh, and it's completely free to download on vegan fortification. It's available on our sister website, which is vegetarianforlife.org.uk. That's really interesting. I mean, you know, uh, fortification for the elderly is obviously, you know, a big thing in care homes. People may or may not know that if they haven't had any, um, you know, contact with or need for that. But actually, it's really interesting because people generally are fortifying their diet much more now. You know, people who have protein shakes and things, you know, they probably don't think of it in those terms. And there is an incredible array of things that as a vegan you can use to you know give yourself extra protein or extra calories if, if you need so it's it's interesting to be able to um share that little bit of education we talked a little bit about about cost and you know you were saying collect that depending on what recipe is chosen it, it could be cheaper i'm interested about care homes amanda because obviously again you know the budget is very tight and it might seem like a sort of they might think this is an unnecessarily expensive thing. How's that, how's that something you tackle? I have a brilliant illustration of this. Uh, so there is an annual competition run by the National Association of Care Catering, and it's called Care Chef of the Year. Uh, for this, they have a typical care home budget. So they have £3.50 to spend on ingredients for a two-course meal. But they produce really luxury high-end results. So we enter our own chefs for this competition. Uh, Chef Justina, I'm so proud to say, placed third nationally last year with her vegan Amazing. £3.50 for two courses. And Chef Alex made the finals this year as well. So I oh, think fantastic. absolutely blows everything out of the water. You know, our chefs are able to hold their own cooking vegan meals at such a, a high level. Um, so, uh, you know, they can see the results for themselves and see the absolute beautiful standard of presentation, the beautiful quality, and it's all made within budget. That sounds fantastic. That's amazing. Well done. Congratulations. And um, and Colette, you know, we, we did touch on this earlier, you know, obviously, if they're, if they're going to go for meat replacements, they might be more expensive, some of the more processed stuff. Are, are there schools who are interested in this, you know, coming at it from a budget point of view you know is that an area where they're like oh this might be a great opportunity you know do, are there schools who go right how how cheap can we make this is that is that a factor do you think i don't think necessarily how cheap can they make it but definitely it's a it's an attractive uh, proposition to do it um i think it, it it's always been there it, it's all climate change has always been the main driver for schools like um, way and above health Health kind of is a bit further down the list of the motivation. Interesting, interesting and weird. And I feel like we could have a big conversation yeah. about that. But I mean, it is but, great that whatever the motivation is great. Exactly. And, and obviously we will work with anybody for whatever reason they want to do this. And then hopefully we can kind of inform them about the other reasons and the other benefits and, you know, get them on board with all of it. But um, yeah, cost has become a much more important factor, I'd, I'd say, definitely in the last year or so. Um, so it, you mm. know, it's something, you know, at the Laser main event we did instead of a plant based cookery demo this year, we did a cost crisis cooking demo, which essentially mm. is the same thing. But it's, you know, it's just kind of presenting it in a different way. And we pick our cheapest recipes. And again, if we're, you know, we've just been creating a whole load of new recipes. Um, to launch early next year 
but some of those, you know, they're fantastic recipes. They hit all the nutrition, they hit all the carbon, but they're too expensive. So they don't make it in, you know, we'll keep them off our sleeve at uh, maybe at some point when some of the ingredients- Maybe when we're not having a cost of living crisis. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. But uh, but right now it would, you know, that's kind of one of the important factors of the program. And yeah, um, if we start making things too expensive, people will drop out and we've got to keep them, keep them moving in the right direction. It's fascinating to hear, you know, what both of your organisations are doing. What advice would you give to other organisations and institutions who are looking to improve their vegan offerings? Because obviously schools and care homes are hugely important, but I mean, there are, you know, the prison system, the, the you know, the NHS, uh, well, you know, and many, many, many other organisations that, you know, the public are, are eating within. Um, what what would advice would you give so um well i think just kind of this is the way things are moving this is what we need to do um we've got a, a health crisis we've got a climate crisis got you know crazy uh cost of living crisis this kind of tackles all of those the, the added bonus is it obviously um is good for animals too it's more inclusive there's, you know there's so many reasons to do it I mean, when we started, we only began our programme in 2018. We had one partner, one council that year that we worked with. We've now got over a quarter of all the local authorities in the UK are on board wow. and are doing this. And it's just ramping up every year I'm here. I've been here for nearly three years. It started off with like a meat-free day. Now we're, we're seeing two meat-free days, three meat-free days you know plant-based options every day plant-based desserts every day it's just shifting it that that's it's just the way it's going as as new partners come to us you know they've already they've already sort of started to do these things because they see others are doing them so i feel like it's just gathering more and more momentum and if if people don't do it they're kind of they're going to get left behind and uh, you know they, they will be spending more money they'll have less healthy clients or you know whatever you want to call mm. the end user um and I, I think just we've got a responsibility as a as humans to kind of try and save our planet as well and this is the great way to do it mm. so yeah I think brilliant I think yeah more... have you got anything you'd add to that Amanda I think that's a great point around sustainability uh we're seeing more and more companies especially the larger ones that are setting themselves sustainability goals and particular carbon reduction targets and to help them towards that, we're seeing a lot more use of uh, built-in food carbon calculators. And again, once you've got that installed, you can really see the difference between, say, uh, you know, meat dishes, particularly beef, chicken, et cetera, et cetera, and the vegan alternatives. We actually workshopped this in our awards in Parliament last week and did this little exercise. If you had one portion of each of these foods a day for a year, what do you think the carbon equivalent would be? And the beef option was eight mm. return trips to and from Malaga and London. Wow. Versus, you know, a, a few miles for other options, nuts, peas, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really quite staggering. And I think once people have actually started implementing the carbon uh, calculators, they're really starting to see where they can make differences towards those sustainability goals. So I think that is going to be big and growing. Fascinating stuff. Thank you both so much. It's been 
It's been a real pleasure to have you on for this episode. It's been a very important discussion, fantastic insight into the brilliant work both your organisations are doing. Where can our listeners find out more about the great work that you are doing? Amanda, where can they find out more about you? So website, so we have feeforlife.org.uk, which covers our work for individuals. For the care sector, it's vegetarianforlife.org.uk. And of course, we're only ever a phone call or an email away. And the number is 0161 257 0887. Thank you very much. And um, Colette, how can people? Yeah, so ProVeg, um, you can find everything about us at ProVeg.com, nice and simple. You can drop us a line at schools at ProVeg.com, schools with an S on the end at ProVeg.com. Um, and, you know, for any parents, teachers, anyone listening out there that's involved with schools, send us in your menu and we will review it for you for free and give you some pointers and get you kind of started on the journey. So just encourage anybody out there to, to share their menu. That's a great first step. Thank you both so much for joining us on the Vegan Pod today. It's been brilliant. And as always, thanks to you, the audience, for listening. We'd love to hear about your experiences accessing vegan options in the public sector. Have you had trouble being catered for in a hospital or a care home? Or perhaps you've had a great experience in school catering for your children? Let us know your thoughts in all the usual places. Find us on X slash Twitter uh, at Vegan Society, on Instagram at the original Vegan Society or on Facebook. And if you need help accessing vegan food within public services, or if you'd like to encourage the public sector to provide more options, you can find a range of resources and information on our website, vegansociety.com, through our Catering for Everyone pages. And of course, we'll be back with another episode of The Vegan Pod next month. So don't forget to subscribe. Bye.